You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth. So you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Star Fellows, your favorite D&D podcast in a galaxy far, far away. I am your Dungeon Master, Rob, and with me, as always, are my friends, Hannah. Hello. Amelia Som. Ah. And Brennan. It's been a hell of a week. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, we ended last episode with the party taking a long rest in a newly renovated living space that Rosie created in her garage uh, to accompany organic visitors. Um, so you guys are held up in some partitioned rooms with bunks right now. Um, I think Elle is actually on a couch <laughs> as opposed yeah. to a proper bed. Um, Akala and Rama delivered the party's captive member of the Red Ma Gang, a unknown Trandoshan male um, who was taken prisoner after the combat at the Sleepless Circuit. You guys delivered him to the basement of the Jedi Temple Ziggurat to the uh, Jedi Inquisitors, these faceless, masked, um, you know, Inquisitors of the Jedi Order that go around interrogating people and solving very discreet crimes. Um, oh, sorry, my phone. I'm just going to silence Please that Please silence all devices. <laughs> my phone's on silent. Bad, Rob, bad. Um... <laughs> L and his roommate Cecil Andromeda also had a heart-to-heart conversation in the speeder ride over to the Solar Swirl. Um, and during that conversation, it was revealed that there were some inconsistencies in the stories told to L by both Terry the Beard and Sue at the Sleepless Circuit. Additionally, uh, Rama was formally, somewhat informally knighted as the first Rose Knight in Rosie's company. Um, and Rosie herself revealed that not only is she multiple hundreds of years old, but that she has uh, an ultimate plan to amass a droid nation capable of fighting for independence, and eventually she wants to establish herself as a galactic power. Now, though, the party sleeps. Um, 
to begin. Um, L, so since you're a Jedi, remind me, are you sleeping or are you meditating during this long rest? Oh, do Jedi just meditate instead of sleep? Is that a thing? Typically, although they can do both, and both will get you a long rest. I'm just curious for my sake. Uh, yeah, Elle's probably meditating. Right on. So Elle uh, is meditating on a couch in this garage beneath the log cabin tea and bookshop of the Solar Swirl. Um, what does Elle contemplate while he meditates this night? Well, I think it's probably just trying to do the sort of like mind clearance like meditation. So, you know, just trying to relax and allow their mind to process everything from the day. You know, anytime they start thinking too much about like the purple worms, get back on just centering breath. And then anytime they think too much about like, you know, the implications of the Jedi and how this is going to end. Just come back to the center, you know, thinking about Cecil getting her, come back to the center and just really trying to clear their mind. L, as you try to focus your mind back to the center, as you describe it, and avoid these conflicts and distractions within your mind, uh, you feel your mind slip away from your body. And you feel the physical sensation of your legs and arms on this, uh, you know, plush couch start to fade. And as you realize this, you start feeling weightless. And in your mind, you can see coming into view in this black void, two moons swirling around each other, one icy blue and one like an agitated red. And as you start probing your surroundings in this liminal space in your mind, you realize that you are no longer meditating on a couch on Coruscant. You are meditating on a rocky planet that is being orbited by these moons. And as your eyes kind of flutter in this meditative state, you see in front of you a large 25-foot creature created out of rock and fur that seems to blend the lines of organic and inorganic sitting in front of you cross-legged this entity that you see in front of you is clearly humanoid shape with arms and legs with these massive circular um, limbs fingers and toes that you can see him also in a meditative stance Uh, on top of his head his face is crowned with fur but his skin looks like it is made out of this dark obsidian rock and upon his head jutting out from both fur and rock are two antlers that stretch up he notices you now meditating in front of him and says hello wanderer what brings you to Typhon do I know what Typhon is? Uh, you do not know who this is. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure. Would you join me for a conversation? Yeah, I don't see why not. 
Great. And it's worth saying that now that you have made contact with this creature, you are able to move around. Your physical body has not left its position, but your mind has clearly wandered far afield of the space in the galaxy that your body was operating. He says, Your spirit has found its way on to Typhon. Do you know of this place? No, I, uh, I do not. It is a place of great importance for those who are lined with the Force. You, I can sense, are somebody that prioritizes balance. Is this true? Yeah, I, um, I like to think so. And yet, I feel conflict within you. I think that conflict has led you to me. I am what is referred to as the Bendu, and Typhon is my home. All right. Um, he kind of looks at your like stunned acceptance of all this, and and chuckles to himself in a like a deep like uh stony chuckle emanates from his throat <laughs> you must be confused i understand you have moved a great distance through the force this night and your spirit has brought you to me we sit here on the planet typhon some may say that typhon was the birthplace of both the jedi and the sith do those terms mean anything to you yeah uh, uh, no, I recognize those just kind of looking around yeah and as you look around the the you I mean you notice that the moons that are orbiting this planet are like like or seem like they're they're orbiting preternaturally fast like there's no day night cycle where you are it's just night illuminated by these two moons again one blue and one red he sees that you're looking up into the sky and says Ah, yes, the twin moons of Typhon. One is the Ashla, pointing towards the blue moon, and the other, well, and the other is the Bogan. They represent two sides to one truth. Tell me which one draws you in closer. Mm. I would soon the Ashla blue that's the the Jedi one <laughs> right yes yes that's not entirely incorrect so it is the uh, Ashla then that you're drawn to I see they're just kind of both moons to me am I supposed to know well they are just moons but where you're sitting now, some 26,000 years ago, the first people that called themselves the Jedi made this place their home. And in observing, the Ashla and the Bogan developed two distinct ideas about the nature of the universe and the nature of the Force itself. And I, here in the middle, am the middle 
the Bendu. Mm-hmm. How, um... So, so, uh... I see that this is a bit to take in. You may take a moment to think upon this. Right, so you're telling me the first people who were Force-sensitive just came here or were born here and saw two moons and then decided that there were two ways the universe could be? Is that is that right? If not, very simplified? More or less. The first settlers of Tython observed Ashla and Bogan, and they developed these notions of light and dark within the Force. And they too called the light the Ashla, and the dark the Bogan. And they understood the necessity of balance between the two. It was this fundamental principle which laid the groundwork for the Jedi Order, which stated that the two moons were birthed by Typhon from its fiery core in order to remind of the perpetual struggle between the dark and the light to all those who sought balance. But you said you just sit in the middle, right? Yes. I am the balance. Is, uh... Are there there other people like you? (laughs) Well, it depends in what meaning you ask. There is but one Bendu, but the Bendu is not one. Hmm, I never liked all this spirit talk. (laughs) And yet I sense within you a great deal of the same spirit talk. Yeah, well, it is what it is. (laughs) It is what it is. Yes. So, I don't usually get dreams like this. Is this one of those things where you're supposed to give me some some wisdom or, like, fix the problems? Because there's a lot of shit going... Sorry, probably shouldn't. There's a lot of stuff going on that, um that I really don't know how to fix. Is that something that you can help with? I do not interfere with the imbalances in the universe, but I have been known on occasion to provide guidance to those that wish to achieve balance. If you're here, that means that you also seek this or struggle with the concept. Yeah, I feel like I'm struggling with a lot of concepts right now. (laughs) Um, Let me try something to see if I can clarify in your mind. And he reaches out this large, scraggly, like, furred and rocky hand towards you. And your mind is assaulted with these cosmic images of the planet Typhon splitting apart. And you see vast millennia of history around this solar system of rock forming into larger rock and coalescing in these different moons. You see thousands of conflicts between force users. You see dead bodies on battlefields decompose into grass that then rises into plant life and trees and flowers. And you get these cosmic images of death and life and rebirth and renewal. But you also 
get the feeling that all of this is the same as the desolate isolation of space um, and that those images assault your mind in a cosmic flurry. Um, make a constitution saving throw. Ten. Ten. Uh, you take one d4 of psychic damage as you try to wrestle with the meaning and hold these images within your mind. What a fucking move. That's a one. Good for me. Take that, secrets of the universe. <laughs> um... So your brain is buffeted by the psychic damage, and seeing you reeling a little bit says, Ah, perhaps a bit too strong then. Well, I have no specific lesson to impart to you except the lesson of balance and finding acceptance within your place in the universe. But if you have questions, I could answer. I mean, I have a lot of questions. Uh, do you know why there's weird purple smoke worms? Purple smoke worms? Yeah, they're like weird force evil worms. He contemplates this. He strokes a long red scraggly beard and shakes his antlers a little bit. Um, and you see some like stray rocks and pebbles fall from his beard onto the floor. Purple worms. There's many things that could be purple worms. Right, I'm very specifically talking about ones that, like, take over people's minds and are fueled by, like, the dark side of the force. Interesting. He reaches a hand up to the stars, and he stops the motion of the moon, uh, bogan the red moon over the sky and he like almost like draws it closer with one hand towards where you're sitting on the planet and from the moon you see him pull down a string of purple light and in his hand he presents to you what looks like the worms that you've seen infect people and asks is this what you are asking about yeah, that's that, exactly, actually, yeah. Um, he crushes it in his hand and releases his hand, and you see shining specks of starlight emanate from it, and he says, It is a creature of Bogan. How do I stop it? Uh, how, how, like, how, why is it there? Um... To your first question, he makes the moon recede above him and swipes his hand until the moon Ashla appears, the blue moon. From it, it pulls a similar string of light, and in his hand, he opens it up. Nothing, except more starlight, and says, When one originates from the dark, only the light may bring balance to it. Right, and what if me and the light aren't really, like, on the closest speaking terms right now? You mean your conflict with the Jedi Order? Yeah, I just, uh... I'm gonna be honest, I haven't really had a plan yet, and I just... And now Akla's here, and I, I don't want her to get caught up in all my bullshit. I mean, she's already caught up in my bullshit, but... 
I don't really know how to, uh, how to, how to deal with that. Ah, now you're asking more relevant questions. The worms can wait, but this is more important. The light. Drama! <laughs> Am I the drama? <laughs> Am I the problem? <laughs> He's like, okay, we got the gossip. Let's go. Okay, sorry, I'm back. You say that the light and you are not on speaking terms. And yet you also say that you are one of balance. And yet you are still very close to Ashla and to Akala. Tell me, do you think you're so far away from the light that you are in the dark? No, I think, uh, you know, I care too much about people and protecting people, but there's just the way Jedi do things that I don't particularly care for. And I just don't think I could have a home there anymore. The light and the dark provide homes for all sorts, but they are not the only places where one may rest their feet and find comfort. I have chosen the middle, and perhaps the middle has chosen you, but the middle is not the absence of either light or dark. It is finding the balance between the two. The Jedi, long ago, used to sit on the dark planet of Bogan and contemplate the light of Ashla when they were exiled. And those that had only disdain for Bogan would sit upon Ashla and contemplate the darkness of the other. And in these exercises they realized that on Typhon all seemed the same. And then the moons up above you start swirling in rapid succession, and they form a perfect purple swirl around the planet. But it's not the dark, smoky purple of the worms. It is a lighter, almost like trending towards magenta color that you would associate more with the swirls of the galaxy as opposed to the smoke of the worms that you've seen. So... I didn't realize this was an option until, like, right now, if I'm being honest. So so what do I do now? Because I'm not really one for introspection. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really know, like, what, what to do from here. I think that to go forward on the path that you have started you need to open your eyes and then the world disappears and you feel the sensation of your body on the couch again and the Bendu the planet Typhon the Ashla and the Bogan all recede into the memory of your meditation <sighs> I just know they're never fucking easy with all this force shit. And I'm going to get up and get some water. <laughs> okay, you go up and get some water. It's still in the middle of the night. You weren't meditating for very long. I'm going to need... Um, so since L is now 
awake and out of meditation, you get to roll this flat. Uh, the other two of you, I need, uh, I, I need everybody to roll um, a perception check, um, but uh, Akala and uh, Rama will roll it with disadvantage. That's a zero from me. Oh my God. <laughs> zero. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. My it's goodness. A one Fucking nat 20. One. God damn it. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's a 25 and a 15, so uh, 15. <laughs> 15. Don't uh, worry, guys. I got my eyes peeled. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I rolled a 17 and a 19. So at disadvantage, 17 minus 1 is 16. <laughs> the highest perception check of this campaign for Rama. <laughs> Okay, uh, so L, I'm gonna say that you notice absolutely nothing, and in fact, not. go go back uh, to your couch. <laughs> the and... only one awake yeah. <laughs> in such a daze from well, like the the Avatar spirit world. L's got stuff <laughs> on their mind. Yeah, and um, I'm even gonna say with like with a zero. Not only do you not notice anything else, but like as soon as you get your water and head back to the couch, you just fall into like a deep. Sleep. Oh, I'm absolutely sleeping. I don't yeah. want to do the meditation shit again. Yeah, you fall into I have into no idea what to deal sleep. with that. Um, yeah, into a deep, dreamless sleep. Meanwhile, uh, Akala and Rama awaken to uh, just some faint mechanical sounds. Um, that wouldn't be abnormal, except it's also being accompanied by a like a like uv like black light that is emanating from like under your uh the doors to your partitioned rooms and it seems to be coming from like deep deeper inside the garage is it similar to the light we saw at the club um It is similar, but it is not smoky. It is just like a, it's almost more like a UV black light that you're seeing that is like casting this like purple, but also kind of like, like, you know, just like an offset purple UV shine. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, So this is, I'm trying to visualize the layout of where we are right now. So this, this little setup that Rosie has for us, I'm imagining like the living room where Elle is in the middle and then the rooms that Rama and I are in on the outside of that living space. Yes. So like, it's still part of like the garage and workspace that is like this huge kind of, uh, garage slash like bunker and warehouse um the living space has been converted into like a back corner of the open garage so like partitions have been made to form a square with the two right angles of like the back corner Got it. um the living area is, the living area is in the center and uh the partitioned rooms are like flush with the back right angled corner of right. the garage right. got it so you will like pa- like if you leave you will pass l to go further deeper into the garage, but L is so passed out that they don't even notice. Okay, um, I'll get up to go investigate where what what's happening. Great. Um, do you are you going to try to move quietly and stealthily, or are you just going to walk out and start investigating? I am going to move quietly so I don't disturb L's sleep. But other than that, not not too. You're not going to. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
not super, not super stealth. Like, I guess I could roll a stealth check, but I'm not super worried about that since I know this is a secure place and I belong here. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and Rama, what would you like to do? So the first thing uh, I'd be thinking of is, you know, I'm now in the uh, in the process of being employed by Rosie. And now there's more purple light again. And uh, Rama's got his small, small, uh, you know, PTSD kind of, you know, not very happy to see some purple light. So he's a bit worried about um, being invaded or attacked. He's like, there's nothing that could possibly get past Rosie's systems, but wouldn't do, be doing my job if he didn't check it out. So I'd probably put all my armor on and get both blasters and then try and uh, just sneak around. Um leave the room, look both ways, and uh, see if I could pinpoint the source of the light. Okay. Um, you both come out of your partitioned rooms. Um, I'm going to say that you guys see each other. I'm going to drop both pistols. <laughs> Be like, oh! Rama, it's okay. It's me. <clears throat> I knew that. I knew that. What are you doing here? I imagine you saw the purple light, too. Yep, you uh got a disturbing in the force, whatever it is you guys say. Um, do do I feel that, Rob? Do I feel something uh, off? Yes, yes, you do. You feel it faintly, <laughs> oh. but I'm gonna have you roll a uh, a force check uh, using your normal like force casting modifiers and stuff right, like that okay. to see how sensitive you are to it. The higher number, you're going to be able to feel it more acutely. In a lower number, uh, you're gonna it's gonna you're gonna feel desensitized to it. That is a twelve. A twelve. Um, yes, you do feel kind of like an aching sensation in your stomach, um, and you feel in your mind like you get the feeling in your mind that you get when you're in a really crowded auditorium or like stadium when there is like a ton of voices or more distinctly like you're hearing uh the vibrations of somebody talking over a loudspeaker meant to project over thousands of voices you don't hear anything distinct but that's that feeling of pressure in your mind is the same interesting um and you can feel it in the direction of the purple uv light that you sensed um yeah things do feel a bit staticky i guess um, best to check it out. Sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I tell you, sometimes I'm grateful the only force I can feel is the kind coming out of a blaster. You and Al got some weird stuff going on upstairs. Sure, if that's how you want to look at it. Do you, uh, have the light shield? Yep, I got it. <clears throat> Lead the way. Alright, I'm going. Let's go. I'm following Akala. <laughs> Great. Hopefully so, not to our deaths. <laughs> uh, so you guys begin following the light. And so as you've come out of the partitioned living area past L, you're now in the hangar section. So there are um, speeders and interstellar uh, fighter ships. You see droids that are powered down and sleeping. Um, you can tell that the purple light is coming from the area that you know is Rosie's main workstation where she parks her droid body when it goes deactive or she needs to make repairs. 
Um, and that space is behind a normal wooden door that you haven't like really seen past before. It's like out of the way of her like more open public workshop. Um, and you can see that light shining brightly from under the door. Um, is Monkey here? Monkey was uh, powered down, sleeping next to Cecil. Um, roll me an investigation check to see if he's still there. Okie dokie. Where is there? It is okay. It's a 16. 16. Uh, you go and check uh, where Cecil was laying and recovering um, in like a medical cot, and you see that monkey has gone somewhere else. Great. Perfect. Great. Cool. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a good Wednesday. We have just released season four, episode 33. And um, I wanted to say thank you for waiting so very patiently for this episode. And I wanted to come on here to say that we have officially wrapped season four. Um, Kind of crazy. Um, And what that means is the very next episode is going to be the last episode of Guildfellows ever. Um, kind of crazy, insane, insane. Um, it'll be the last like regular like story episode. We're going to have a season four wrap episode, as we always do. And then we're going to have a podcast, postmortem, wrap up, whatever, whatever, whatever. So... As you're hearing this, if you're in our Discord channel, uh, our question channel will be open for both season four questions and podcast overall questions. I think we're probably going to like go season by season and just kind of reflect and see how far we've come and all this stuff. Um, But take this as the opportunity to kind of, you know, talk to all of us as a unit for the last time possibly so um yeah that's that's what we're gonna do um which also means this is gonna be my last announcement update whatever thing ever probably so um yeah I don't know that's really all I kind of have to say I'm a little behind on our social media pages so I apologize for that but um we'll we'll get there we'll catch up and um yeah next week's gonna be the very last story episode season four finale and then um i'm not a hundred percent sure when the wrap-up episodes are gonna happen they may not happen for a while simply because a lot of us are busy um and we're just kind of working around our schedule um so they might not happen for a few weeks we're gonna try to squeeze them in eventually Um, we're going to try to squeeze them in quick, but if they don't happen for a minute, then they won't happen for a minute, but they'll definitely at least come out this summer. I will make sure that happens. Um, they'll come out as soon as I can wrangle everyone together. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it. I think that's all I really want to say. I don't really need to go into the regular spiel that I do because I don't know. It's 
it's almost over. Um, yeah, thank you to Arcane Anthems for the, the theme song, as always. Um, and thank you to everyone who has listened uh, thus far. And I'll we'll get into it more once those wrap-ups come out. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've got. Thank you for listening. Um, that's all I've got for you guys today. We love you all so much. Keep your heads up. Stay safe. We love you. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Um, could I, uh, tap into my, my, uh, armband, whatever it is, <laughs> I used to communicate yeah. and say, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Rosie, sorry to, to wake you up, I don't know if you sleep or not, um, but, uh, it's a weird purple light emanating from your main workshop, uh, is that you, or do I need to check it out with blasters? Uh, do you send that as like a voice thing or as a text message? As a voice thing. Uh, so you, you're like attempting to call her essentially. Yeah. Like walkie, walkie-talkie type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you. Red you... five standing by. Sorry. <laughs> no, rose, that's fine. rose five. I even wore my rose-colored shirt. Anyway. Oh yeah, there you go. As I will for the rest of this campaign. Um, instead of getting a normal, like, response back, like, an immediate response back, you, uh, just hear on the other end a dial tone that indicates that <laughs> Voicemail? <Rosie>. Not <laughs> a voicemail. It's, it's not, offline. it's not like, it's right? not like a voicemail. Yes, it's like the other side that you're trying to communicate with is not online right now. The synthetic sentient robot isn't online? That's still, awesome. still a droid. Huh. Well, that's not great. Um, I'm gonna approach closer. So, okay. <clears throat> don't suppose you remember how many entrances and exits there are in this workshop? I have not seen a map layout. No. Um, you both would know of at least two. One is the main entrance where you need to take the elevator all the way up to the shop portion of the solar swirl and exit through the front doors or through these sliding bay doors that are used for vehicles on the side of the building. How far apart are they? Um, they're on opposite ends of the workshop station. So if you imagine this, this uh, garage is just a big, long rectangle. On one end of the rectangle is the entrance in the elevator. And then on the long sides going towards the other side of the rectangle is where all the workshops and uh, ships and droids work. And then on the back side is where the bay doors are. And it's on that back side where you guys have your little nook um, close to the bay doors. So you're walking the long ways of the rectangle towards the entrance right now. Um, and that's where Rosie's main workshop door is. Got it. Or I would say I should say not her main workshop, but her private workshop that you guys haven't seen before. But it's where she goes when everybody else sleeps or is gone. We could uh, position ourselves to make sure if someone tries to make a break for it, we can block the exit. Open, knock on the door and uh, open it up. Yeah, sure. That's a good plan. Um, as you guys approach the door leading to Rosie's private workshop... Um, the light you realize is pulsing like 
you can hear the mechanical sounds of a metal arm operating, like but you hear also like a humming emanating kind of energetic sound as well coming from the other side of the door. And Akala, you feel your disturbance worsen. Great. Um, do you want to take the door or the exit? I'll take the door. Got it. Right behind you. All right. Do um, do I do I knock? <laughs> is that is that what is that what you do you, with her door? See what happens. <laughs> um, I can't really put my. Ear, I just realized I can't really put my ear up to it because I'm wearing a helmet. Um, but true. Okay. Here goes nothing. Um, I'm gonna knock on the the metal. Like, dun, dun, dun. Uh, hello there. How's uh, who's in there? Um, you don't get a response. Um, you hear uh, the humming continue, but you hear whatever mechanical thing was moving cease for a second, and then you hear several rapid movements of like. <laughs> like something's drilling um and then the light under the door quickly stops and you cease seeing the purple light and cease hearing any sound coming from the other side of the door do i still Um, feel the the force stuff it's now muted but now that you've noticed it you feel it like you can still find it okay can i turn on night vision you can turn on night vision okay um knock again say <clears throat> excuse me um just doing my job just uh asking who's in uh who's in this workshop please identify yourself you hear uh a set of mechanical something hit the floor just a <clears throat> of metal hitting the ground then you hear a metallic gallop a <clears throat> and then you hear a click as the lock on the door turns. Oh, ha. I was. I thought the, the click was like a bomb or something. Continue. <laughs> um, and the door opens, and it's completely dark on the other side. With your night vision, you scan around. Um, just make me a, a perception check, real quick. Uh, it's not a very I intense one. DC. Pull 10. my pull my pistols too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can have your pistol. Okay. Oh, that's a natural one, folks. <laughs> this room's hella empty. Let's go back. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so with your night vision, you don't see what opened the door. Akala, I think my uh, my night vision's messing up. I can't see anything. So, sorry, you, you can see into the room. You just didn't see who opened the door. Got it. Inside the room, that from what you can see, is you can see a humanoid metallic figure sitting um, not completely prone, but at an inclined angle on a workbench mm-hmm. strapped with their, their legs and arms their metallic limbs strapped down. You see a metallic arm that is hovering over the chest cavity um, of Rosie, but she looks intact. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to back up and say, um, <clears throat> Hello. Um, one more time, please identify yourself and uh, what you're doing with my boss. Um, n- now, 
uh, you see a pair of rose-colored lights flick on on Rosie's body in her eyes. Uh, quickly, the mechanical straps restraining her uh, come undone. She stands up. You can see her system cycle, and she fully powers on and says, Hello, Rama. What, uh, what can I help you with? Um... You shouldn't be here. I thought I locked that door. Uh, you did. Somebody opened it from the inside, and, uh, I noticed a mysterious purple light, and we were like 0 for 3 on having good experiences with mysterious purple lights. So, uh, Akko and I decided to, uh, investigate and make sure nobody was intruding. Just, uh, doing my job. Um, she walks towards you, um, touches your hands holding your blasters and tries to gently put them down to your sides and says, You are safe here, my knight. Nobody could infiltrate this place without me knowing. There is no danger here. Okay. Um, so, uh, question. You said it was locked. Then who opened the door? Because I know it wasn't me. Um, Akala, so you're covered on the you're you're covering the other exit, right? Or are you covering the elevator? Um, I'm uh, I'm covering whatever's the nearest exit. Should be the elevator. Uh, yeah. So like, but next to the elevator, uh, as Rama goes inside, you see M Zero like sneak past his legs, like out into the main uh area of the garage and make his way back over to Cecil. I don't know what to make of that. Um, fuck. Um, I never trusted that fucking monkey. <laughs> M zero. Uh, he doesn't seem to hear you. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna I mean, unless, you, unless you shout, but it, just saying M zero is probably not gonna get. His well, attention. well, Rosie's still over here, so I. I mean, or Rosie knows I'm over here, so um, I'm just gonna shout loud enough to get his attention. Um, you see him, uh, look back at you. You're pretty far away at this point. You're, you're probably like, I mean, he's, he's moved like a hundred feet down the hangar at this point, but you see his little monkey form turn back to you. Um, he stands up on his hind legs and goes and puts a one mechanical finger up to his, his face in a shushing motion. And then he goes back and, uh, powers down next to Cecil. I don't know what to make of that. Um, I'm just gonna let him, let him be, I guess. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let him be, I guess, for now. Um, so we're gonna, so back to, to Rama and Rosie. Uh, Rama, where, where are you at right now? Well, I didn't see Monkey, so I guess I'm just gonna be like, so. <clears throat> it's just a bit suspicious. What was the purple light? Why were you powered down? And if you were powered down, how did the door open? Oh. Um, well, I do keep a multitude of droids around me when I power down just for uh, maintenance and security purposes. It was probably one of them that unlocked the door. There was nothing secretive going on. I don't know about a purple light. I was powered down just now. Um, I power down pretty regularly, just like any droid or computer. I need to debug my programs and give my operating systems a rest. 
And sometimes that produces strange noises or um, sometimes visual effects. I'm a very complicated piece of machinery. And she kind of gestures to herself, <laughs> um, kind of a feminine uh, way. Um, I'm going to walk over <clears throat> to the two of them. Um, Rosie, do you have cameras in your in your office? Um, not in the way that you're thinking. I... I don't, uh, I don't have mounted cameras in corners observing everything, but, uh, and she, she like turns to like just a, a hologram projector on the side of like a desk. Um, and she flips that on and you see like dozens of different camera feeds from like other droids that are just like idling all around the hangar. Um, there's none that are looking into the, uh, you know, private areas where you guys were staying, but there are droid camera feeds covering, you know, the entrances and the exits. Um, and you notice that there's also a camera feed from Rosie that's like in real time, like looking at Brahma, but you don't see any others. I mean, just on a quick glance, you're unable to tell kind of like if there's any feeds looking into this room besides Rosie's cameras. Right. Um, I'm still feeling the, the force stuff still um it's it's been muted and it's like harder to recapture it's like almost like you're coming down from a high and you're like you still feel the effects of whatever it was but you're like oh like i don't really feel right. like that feeling when mm. i was like a, like really interacting with whatever that was rosie i was feeling a very strong um static coming from the force coming from your workshop do you have a an explanation for that. A feeling of force coming from my workshop. I... I don't know anything about that. I can't feel the force as a robot. Well, we... We talked about it a little bit. The force is foreign to me. I don't think that I interact with it in the same way as organic creatures, so... I could not tell you. Are you... Worried about one of our enemies using the force to infiltrate my security systems. Possibly. I don't know what else could have caused that strange of a feeling for me. This is troubling. I will have to find some way to investigate that. Thank you for calling this to my attention. Um, Akala, roll me a investigation check. Not an insight check? Uh, actually, no, yeah, an insight check would, okay. be, would be make more sense. <laughs> uh, that's an eight. An eight. Um, checks out. You know, she can't feel the force. Sounds like she's, she's also worried about whatever it is that you saw. Um, you just get the impression that something strange happened and it seems kind of unexplainable. I see that you two are somewhat riled up. I'm sorry for whatever scared you. I will stay powered on for the rest of the night and monitor the premises for any intrusions. For now, though, uh, maybe you two should get more rest. I notice that Elle and Cecil seem to be sleeping comfortably. Right. <clears throat> just, uh, there's one more thing, considering I'm kind of your bodyguard here. Could I, uh, could you run a list of 
operations or enhancements, changes that might have been done uh, to your chassis or your programming software or hardware uh, within the last hour or so. Oh. Um, Assuming it's mostly, you know, debug, malware check, update, but just in case there's something that's not that. Um, yeah, yeah, so she... I... Yes, I think I see where you're going with this. Are you must be worried that somebody modified me. It's my job. This is what you pay me for. If you're gonna, you know, I'm not saying I'm not meaning to intrude, but, uh, I'm just saying. Um, She, her, like, porcelain, stagnant, uh, feminine face, like, regards you, um, seemingly very earnestly and touches your shoulder and says, I knew I made a good choice making you my knight. You're exactly correct. We should double check to make sure that Somebody was not messing around with my systems when I was powered down. Um, she starts, um, she takes like a cord from her wrist that is just like an analog, like USB equivalent cord, and she plugs it into a, uh, a different like computer and a different screen. Um, and you see like a bunch of like matrix style code, like <laughs> rush down and like multicolored letters and numbers. And she starts like scanning it um, like voraciously um, it's pretty unintelligible to you. Um, right. She takes a few moments and looks like she's scanning and says, All I see on my logs are just the routine maintenance that I have some of the droids do in my chassis while I uh, sleep to repair rusted screws and stuff like that. I also went through regular debug programs, closed out some background applications, Everything seems ordinary. This time, Rama, roll me uh, inside check. With disadvantage, <laughs> since you're bad at technology. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the negative modifier to insight is already my bad at oh, technology. I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> so you can just roll it flat. That's a five. Minus one is four. Four? Um... You would not even begin to know how to even (laughs) double-check the things that she's told you, but you do have the faint impression that it's just, like, like, I kind of have, you kind of have to take her word for it. Like, she doesn't seem like she's lying. Uh, It doesn't seem like she's hiding anything from you, but you also are aware that you can't really verify that. Well, glad to hear it. Nothing more I can do here. Take care of yourself. Akala, anything... Anything else you want to do? Um, Rosie, do you mind if I just take a look around your office, just very quickly? Um, sure. Yes, you may. Okay, I'm gonna investigate. Alright, roll me uh, an investigation check. Fell. Ooh, that's a 19. Or 18. 18, sorry. An 18. Uh, okay. So surface level things that you can see, it seems like this room uh, has two distinct purposes. The first one you guys basically just encounter the tail end of, which is like this is where Rosie goes when she powers herself down and she trusts the other droids in her employ to make repairs and or just do routine maintenance on her. And that is like the weird like rack inclined table that you're seeing right there and you're seeing the mechanical arms that were presumably what you heard like drilling and operating from the other side of the door like next to that table 
So immediately you get the impression that like whatever was happening, you realize like involved this table and the the operations that go on on that table. The other things that you see are all computer equipment and like loose droid parts that Rosie works on herself to create other droids. You see on the wall multiple versions of M0's head that presumably were tested but not suitable. Um, what you also notice is that there are some like discarded chassis that are like there's one that is like rosy sized that you could tell very quickly would like fit rosy's design um and like the modifications that she's made they look like protocol droids noticeably though the chest piece on that chassis has been removed and you see like a softball sized uh circular hole that has been fashioned into the center of the chassis and you see a similar thing with other chassis that are m0 shaped where when you strip away the chest plate there is a circular indented hole that presumably would fit something that is you know covered up if there were the actual chest piece completing the droid chassis um you're not sure what that means but you just take note that there's kind of spare droid parts that seem to have a wide variety of modifications. Some of them, like some of the modifications you see on these chassis around this room and all these parts are clearly like weaponized. Um, but the ones that you're seeing that are like M0 rosy size, you're not able to understand the modifications that have been made to them. You also don't detect beyond what you've already seen any presence of like an intruder. You don't notice any footsteps um, or like, you know, any prints or anything like that. Okay. I I will leave then. Are you satisfied? Um, I think so. It's hard to tell. But I appreciate you letting me look around. Of course. I'm glad that I could have an extra measure of security. I imagine that there's threats and things that my droid eyes would not detect that the spirit of a Jedi would be more attuned to. If that's if you guys are, are kind of done investigating this, um, we are going to uh, cut to the next morning. Um, do you guys go back to sleep or do you stay up and just kind of relax or what do you do? I would have probably gone back to sleep, but um, could I, as we're heading back to the to the, the barracks, as uh, as you would say, and <laughs> uh, have a conversation with Akala. <laughs> Akala, before you go to bed, or meditate, or whatever it is you guys do, does something seem fishy to you? Yes, definitely. I don't know a lot about technology, but I have no way of proving that she was telling the truth. I assume she was. She's on our side as far as I can tell. She seemed very touchy with you. I'd say so. Which is odd, seeing that she is... Non-organic. I'd say so. <laughs> I guess you that's, should tell it. That's artificialist of you, Han. I'm actually. just saying. <laughs> can she really feel? Can is it like? Is there a benefit wow. to her doing that? Like, okay, I just dropped this in the live chat. But maybe while she was sleeping, she updated her sex drive. <laughs> 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 
I like oh. the idea that like a sex drive is like literally a program a on a flash drive <laughs> that she has to like plug into her neck. It's like downloading sexual intercourse drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's not drive. what happened, but it could have been. Um, That's and maybe funny. it yeah. will. Um, maybe it was. We don't know. Don't know. We don't know. Um, I also want to slightly retcon that when Elle went back to sleep, instead of lying on the couch, they're just going to cuddle with their bestie and then fall asleep. That's cute, yeah. Yeah. That's cute. Um, Great. So everybody goes back to sleep. The night passes. It's the next morning. You all are woken by the normal sounds, the hustle and bustle of droids uh, moving around, communicating with each other. You hear a series of... And uh, you hear just beeps and buzzes, uh, the sounds of mechanical welding as droids repair other droids and ships and other equipment, um, and you all emerge. Um, Rosie uh, greets you all after a little bit um, in the common area with coffee and some bagels with some different schmears and... You know, <laughs> they toasted? Uh Oh, would you would you like yours toasted? Oh yeah, like if you don't mind. Okay, hold on. I have a joint for that toasty. Um, and a a uh, a gonk droid, which is like a big, like kind of rounded, boxy droid with just like two feet, um, waddles over to you guys. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> um, and you see that this droid's only apparent function is to toast bread. Um, it opens up its chest cavity, which is a clear, like, oven door. Um, it opens it up, and uh, it turns a knob to toaster oven and puts to, uh, like, a sliced bagel it halves like, in its body, closes the oven. Uh, a few seconds go by. Ding! Gonk, gonk. And opens up its its tummy again and presents to you two, two halves of toasted yeah, bagel. Yeah, I, I grab them while they're still hot and do that kind of, like, thing um, before I get them on a plate. Anyway, so you guys have breakfast. Um, after you guys are caffeinated and have eaten, she uh, directs uh, all four of you, um, including Cecil and Monkey, um, to a uh, she she has droids bring out like a conference style table and says, "Well, I think it is time that I discuss with you the footage that I recovered from the IG eighty eight assassin droids. Are you all ready?" Um, can can I just like uh say like during the whole breakfast thing, I send like a a text to L saying what happened last night, just so it's not said out loud in front of people. Do you tell L to check his phone? <laughs> um, maybe very like casually, just kind of elbow during breakfast and huh? Yeah. Um. You might want to check your communicator at, at some point. You might need to get better at doing that. Like like now? Like you want me to check right now? Sure, yes. I, I pull it out. Yeah, so, okay, I, I pull it out and check. Just a, a rundown of everything we did last mm-hmm. night. Um, great. So after you guys are, are done with breakfast, you guys sit at this conference table and she says... Um, well, um, I was able to recover different snippets of footage from the IG-88 droids. Um, no singular droid out of the three had a complete recording of what happened. So, 
I will be stopping and directing your attention to certain details um, while the video is presenting. Um, so she brings out like a projector screen um, and a projector <laughs> um, <laughs> and on the canvas screen um, – well, actually, <laughs> the the, canvas screen and the projector and the toaster. We go and I love the sorry the tech level. We've seen the toaster <laughs> bot and the projector. This is like what people in the 1940s thought of as the future. <laughs> you say that as if we don't like still have toasters though. Well, I, well, I mean, like, like I have a toaster bot in my kitchen. It's <laughs> but does it right. walk around and go gonk gonk? <laughs> <laughs> like a robot whose only purpose is the toast and the fan and the canvas projecting screen. Um, I also have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so first things first, I need to tell you about the client who was stolen from. He is a man named Veltz Arakiad. He is a very wealthy, secluded individual. He resides at a polar mansion, castle sort of compound at the south pole of the planet Coruscant very isolated on the ice caps, where there is the least amount of city and intrusion. He is a Vulpterite from the home planet of Vulpter, which, if you don't know, is a horribly polluted industrial planet. At the turn of the interstellar age, it was the home to the largest and most industrial companies that pioneered interstellar space travel, hyperspace drives, weaponry. He was the founder, some 9,000 years ago, of one of those corporations. Excuse me, did you say 9,000 years ago? Yes, 9,000 years ago. How Vulterite. long is a, a what It's called a Vulterite? Yes. How long do they typically live? They do not live 9,000 years. They have more typical organic lifespan of 100 to 200 years. He, uh, Velt Arakiad, was the founder of Acriad Industries, who still sell and manufacture interstellar hyperdrives and vehicles, and also weapons. They also have many subsidiary companies that do asteroid mining, um, interstellar cultivation of raw resources and a bunch of other industrial activity. As I said, he was the founder of Acreate Industries and has been inexplicably long-lived. He has been secluded, however, on Coruscant for the past 5,000 or so years. I... not much is known about him once he left his planet, and that was at the beginning of his lifespan. He is my creator. He constructed me about 200 years ago. I think, although I have not spoken to him much since then, I think that I was perhaps a pet project of his. He created me and let me go on my own. I was created, as far as I understand, to try to approximate living life in droid form. As you might imagine, he is somewhat of a touchy subject for me. In any case, um, Vulpterians, uh, Vulpterites, are hippo-like aliens with shovel-like mouths, barrel-chested, thick limbs, similar to hippopotamuses. 
They have tusks and gray skin and snouts. Somewhat gross creatures, if I say so myself. In any case, he is who contacted me to get extra security for his home, and the droids belong to him. This is the footage that was recovered from his polar mansion. On the projector screen, um, you see the digital projection from the perspective of a droid standing about six feet tall. Um, you see uh, this droid is chasing after three cloaked individuals down stone, dungeon-like hallways. Um, as he's running, you see um, cell doors with people inside that you can't make out as he's running past. You see that things are torchlit. Um, very little technology in this place. Um, and there are other droids that you can hear following behind him. There's alarms blaring. Intruder alert! Intruder alert! And these droids are chasing um, what you can tell to be the intruders who had stolen something from Mr. Veltz. Um, you can see that these three figures, there is one that is noticeably taller than the rest and slender. There is one that is medium height and bulky. And there is one that looks feminine and short. Um, and they are, are again, running away from these droids. Um, you notice, she pauses it and says, Notice that there are blood splatters on the stones of this area that they're running through. Don't know what that could mean, but it doesn't bode well. She continues the video, and the droid whose perspective you're seeing from um, fires blaster shots as they peel through a door. Um, and then the video hard cuts to an ornate looking interior of what looks like a mansion sitting room that has been completely wrecked. Um, there's red velvet chairs that have been split in half. There's bat, uh, blaster holes that are burning into the like white, uh, like plush carpet um you see a fireplace with like a dimly burning fire you see paintings that have been knocked off of walls you see other like broken defeated droids and you see uh from the perspective of what appears to be a second droid um another ig88 droid that is spasming on the ground and thrashing um, similar to how the droids that you fought were thrashing and resisting against the worms on the ground. And that droid is is muttering and spazzing to itself and saying, The darkness is near. The darkness is near. Very similar to what you guys encountered. There is another hard cut. And from a perspective of another droid, not sure if it's the same as the other ones, you see a feline orange Cathar woman at the top of a, an ornate carpeted staircase with a Trandoshan in front of her who deploys a shield in front of them as blaster fire ricochets off of the staircases from multiple droids. Um, you see next to the Cathar woman a female Togruton woman who looks very regal, who looks very scared with her arms splayed in front of her. And you see smaller combat droids flying towards the perspective of the droid whose video feed you're seeing. There is another hard cut and you see even more broken down droids and you see um, on a balcony, 
you see the Cathar woman now that L clearly recognizes as Sue from the sleep from the sleepless circuit put on a circular swirling crown on her head and a flash of purple light that deafens and destroys the feed entirely and then the feed cuts again and seemingly you're seeing a video from earlier in time a droid says the droid that you're seeing these eyes you're seeing through extends a hand out to three the three figures again who are in front now of a black stone door that they are trying to break through um the door is fashioned in such a way where if you didn't know to look for it it would blend seamlessly into the black stone of the wall and the trandoshan is operating some sort of machinery to try to break through it um the droid whose feed you're looking through says halt you are unauthorized to access the lower levels um the three figures act in unison um, the two women, the Cathar and Oko, um, both uh, outstretch their arms, and the droid's feed starts hovering multiple feet higher than it was previously, and it is flung violently backward down the hallway, and the three figures recede from view. Um, there is another cut um, in the feed, and another droid uh, pulls um, a broken droid from the ground and starts trying to mess with it um from the feed that you're seeing you're seeing a destroyed ig-88 droid with an in like a concave hole in its chest where something very hard hit it and you also see that this droid has been badly damaged but the feed that you're looking through uh indicates that the droid looking over this other droid is trying to repair it um and then the feed fills with purple mist there is another cut, um, and it is three droids uh, firing on a Kathar woman who is in the middle of the destroyed living room that you saw earlier from the other droid feed. The Kathar woman, again, who you recognize as Sue, is wielding a badly malfunctioning lightsaber that looks very much like Kylo Ren's lightsaber from the new trilogy, um, in that it very much looks like whatever was used to create this lightsaber has faulty technology in it, and it is spluttering and jagged and reaching out almost like flames that you know is not supposed to, you know, a lightsaber is not supposed to look at that. And she's deflecting the blasts um, with her glitching, spluttering, dark purple lightsaber. And that's where the feed ends. Well, fuck. Well, fuck indeed. Do you, um, that, that crown that Sue put on, do you know what that swirly thing is? She says, I have never seen that before. I do not know what it is. It moves as if it's made of liquid quicksilver, yet it retains its shape. Hmm. So my guess would be some sort of piece of intricate jewelry? Mm. Uh, just so perhaps later we could reconstruct a good picture and or if we have to go there you uh you were born there right that is for the purposes of how you mean it yes that is where I was created I was very quickly kicked from the nest to borrow a proverb 
I I am familiar with the layout. I was able to get some blueprints from snooping around some databases, so I do understand the layout. It looks like, from the scenes we saw, the droids encountered the intruders in the dungeon or sub-basement and followed them or chased them up into the main living area, then up the grand staircase where a battle happened and then out a balcony where they presumably escaped. At least that's my interpretation of the video footage I saw. There were other images in there that were too distorted to include in the video. Many things went wrong when they interacted with whatever power was used to possess them. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> Makes sense so far. Um, could you... So you got the blueprints. Uh, when you have time later, could you upload those into my uh, communicator? Maybe a little bit of a holographic thing. Yes. Uh, all three of you get pings. Um on your on your communicators of just like a a pdf file of a blueprint um that, or like yeah like a house layout um that was insanely fast <laughs> i came prepared <laughs> um, um just for my own memory we still don't know what they stole right no the yes yeah sorry i both said i said no and yes there uh <laughs> yeah. you do not know what was stolen um velt's acrid did not indicate that in any communications that he's had with Rosie and it was not clear from the footage roll me a perception check Akala, okay. since you're asking the question okay sure oh no it's a net one what is up with our perception today I, I mean that, that bumps it up to a six so <laughs> alright cool um well, I mean, you f- sure haven't seen that busted purple lightsaber before. Yeah, no um, shit. That, I think, is probably what catches your mind the most. Um, but you have no idea. if I mean, it didn't... That, to you, just doesn't seem like something that would have been stolen from this guy, considering it was in such bad shape. It looked like more like a home job. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, um... <clears throat> While you're taking some time to process that, I have tried to get in contact with my creator. Um, Velt Acrid is a private person, hence the isolated polar home. He doesn't like visitors, and he has no other living organisms occupy his mansion with him. It's only him and his droids. Naturally, when I asked if you three could pay a visit to get more information, he refused. However, true to his nature, he was and still is deeply curious about what was stolen and why it was stolen. So he told me that if visitors found their way to him, that they would not be killed on sight. Which is about as much of a welcome as you could get from him. I'll take it. Eh, it's about the par for the course so far. Right, um, to clarify, to go visit him you couldn't just park at his pad and walk in. It was implied to me that you would have to 
find alternate means of getting to him. You got any ideas? Well, yes. I think that it would probably be best to try to smuggle you in. And how exactly do we get back? I have been contacting somebody that has recently expressed an interest in finding work as a smuggler. A Nautilin man named Digo Nevada was looking for work and is apparently a pretty good smuggler. Uh, oh, uh, I don't suppose that's a really, really common name for Nautilins, like John Smith or something. No. In fact, Nautilin names are usually much, diff- much more difficult to pronounce since they're traditionally pronounced underwater. Um, Diego Nevada, as I understand it, is a name that he gave himself to relate more to non-aquatic organisms. Okay. Asking for a friend. Alright, well, yeah, let's go find this Digo guy and, uh, guess we're heading south. Indeed. Um, there'll be no need to find him. I've asked him to come pay us a visit, actually. Whenever you guys are ready to firmly plan your infiltration, I I can't overstate this. He does not want guests, but he if you get in a room with him, he's not a fighter and will be more or less amenable to talking with you, which means that an infiltration is going to be dangerous and must be calculated to avoid detection. You saw the dungeons, I imagine, in that video. I don't think it would be a good idea to be considered an unwanted guest before you're able to apply appropriate leverage to him to prevent anything bad happening to you. So, I would encourage you all to take a day or two to prepare yourself, gather whatever materials you think you might need, and do some investigation. I'm up for it. Wonderful. Is there anything else, any questions that you have that I could help answer? You you know anything of a planet called Typhon? Yes. Yes, I do. It's a very old planet. Um, pretty distant in between the mid and outer rim. Um, very important planet in the history of the Jedi, I believe. Currently, the, the locals on it aren't particularly affiliated with the Jedi Order. It's a more or less populated planet with uh, a decent amount of unpopulated or abandoned spaces. There's only a few major cities. It's not nearly as as big or as populated as Coruscant. Why do you ask? Mm, Just wondering. Wonderful. Well, you guys have learned some hefty information. You have gotten visual confirmation that Oko Valnim is alive and with the Red Maw. You saw... Kazakh, the trend bastard, and a bastard. <laughs> you saw and a bastard, and a bastard. You saw uh, the Trandoshan, uh, whose name is Kazakh. I don't think you asked his name when you met encountered him, uh, L, but that is his name. Um, and you would have recognized him from the multiple encounters you've had with him. And you also recognized the Cathar woman Sue, who wields a lightsaber and a mysterious crown. And that is where we will end this week's session.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money. 